Hello everyone and welcome back to the Two Baggies One Lightbulb podcast. We are back with a brand new episode of The Sit Down and it's a very special one for you guys because we're sitting down with Shell for Albion members, David and Lee. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. No problem at all. Thanks for inviting us. You're welcome. And of course, as usual, I'm joined by Dom as well. Dom, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Like uh, just an old piece of the furniture, aren't I? <laughs> you just stick around, don't you? Yeah. Put, <laughs> like a bad smell. I've put you on the pavement, but no one wanted you, so I had to bring you back in. It's a shame. Yeah, exactly. I've got to, I've got to be uh, dormant somewhere, I know. But um, <laughs> how are we all, how are we all feeling about the uh, the Brighton win, our third win of the season? Um, it's a good start. It's a good talking point to start off with. How are we, uh, how are you feeling about it, Lee? Oh well, I think I mean I'm one of one of the few who hasn't given up yet. I've had my eye on Newcastle for a while. Mm. If we just get a couple of results, they're going to be within touching distance. So. You know, we it wasn't our best performance on the Saturday, but the points are all that matters, and we've had plenty of games where we deserved a lot more and not got it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all going to be on these next couple of games, I think. And what about you, David? It's uh, it's always great when we get a win, especially in uh, in such rare occasions during this Premier League campaign. Yeah, I um, I echo Lee's sentiments. Really, I'm 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 just not quite sure how we managed to get the three points. Um, I think the referee did his best to. Um, yeah, well, did. Enough, <laughs> enough, enough said on the ref, but um, uh, yeah, at this stage of the season, yeah, you take three points, uh, however they come. Exactly, and hopefully, a bit locally, was touching on there. Hopefully, we can use it as a catalyst, you know, moving forward because it's a hell of a gap at the moment. And as you say, ninety percent of uh, all the football pundits and. You know, even, you know, a massive section of the Albion fans have written us off for next season. But, you know, if we've got a good team here. We've made some good, uh, good acquisitions in January. Once it made a massive impact on the first team. So hopefully this is much of a muchness and we can push on from here on. And uh, at the very least, uh, give the fans a bit of hope and um, give the league a bit of competition. Yeah, I think that the big shame is if, if we're starting the season with this squad, I don't think it would be getting relegated. Um, yeah, you know, leaving aside managerial things, you know, that's uh, you know, we've got a quality midfield there, which we haven't mm. had for a long time. We've got a striker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got a striker. You know, two thirds into the Premier League season, which is difficult. Um, but you know, it's we can make these decisions with hindsight, can't we? When we've signed, you know, these players, we signed strikers that are so prolific in Carl and Grant, and even to a certain extent in Callum Robinson as well. We we know what a clinical finisher he can be, especially in the 18-yard area from, from the championship campaign. So, you know, with hindsight, we could kind of sit here and go, thank God we've got a striker in uh, Diagne. But, um, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? Because like you say, if we had these four acquisitions at the start of the season, with the benefit of hindsight, who knows what the table would look like. But, um, you know, we have to digress. You know, we're here in this position now and yeah. we've got to make the most of it. And that's the key, making the most of it. Going if we do go down, go down with some fight, and obviously if we stay up, we have stayed up with a lot of it as well. Um, yeah, exactly. So I think that's what we all want to see. We just want to see fight. We want to see some battle uh, and some actual bother for the players as well. I think that's all we ever ask for as yeah. fans. Um, mm. But we are here, of course, to talk about uh, shareholders for Albion, uh, what it does, what it stands for, some interesting topics around the club. We'll say that. Uh, for now, um, but for those that don't know about shareholders for Albion, because they may not know, um, please tell us about shareholders for Albion, uh, its aims and what it does, please, guys. Okay, um, 
the organisation exists to represent the interests of the minority shareholders in WBA Group, um, basically to protect their investment in West Bromwich Albion Football Club. Hmm. So basically, you guys represent um, a body of shareholders um, that, as you say, are the minority, so aren't part of the Jokum Lai administration. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we can we can give you a little bit more detail on the shareholding uh, a little bit later on in, in the broadcast. Yeah, and I think yeah, absolutely. As Dave's alluded to, yeah, it's, 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 we're here for a number of reasons, really, because, you know, I think first and foremost, we're all out, well, most of us are Albion, proper Albion supporters. You know, um, most of, I'd say the vast majority of our members have had season tickets for home seem to get for decades and if you look around the room at meetings the people you see away there's a lot of away seem to get holders um mm. i mean i'll let dave tell, tell you about himself in a moment but just you know to, to give some kind of context you know we're, we're albion we're here to look after the club um and to make sure that things are being done properly and to preserve our future i mean i'm mid 40s so i'm in that demographic where there aren't that many of us but i've been going up the albion since i was born effectively mum and dad had a scene ticket i can remember going up when i was four i've had a home season ticket from over 100 miles away for 30 plus years i've had an away scene ticket since they first came out apart from when we had a young family and tony Poulis was manager i had a couple of years mm. off um you know i think we're all guilty of that <laughs> you know what i, mean? I, know I was. <laughs> and we've got another committee member doesn't miss a match previous chairman of the committee i've known him for the years didn't miss a match in decades you know these are these are people who are proper albion and they care about the club first and foremost i mean mm. dave tell us tell us about you as well you know you, you've got a few yeah. more years on me haven't you <laughs> uh, just a few yeah i um i followed in my father's footsteps um he he took me to my first game when I was two years old. Um, don't remember much about it, of course, but I uh, I can remember um, players like Derek Kevin, Ronnie Allen playing for for West Brom, um, Bobby Robson, and um, mm-hmm. you know I uh, I was a, a teenager in the great um, in the great years in the sixties and early seventies when you know Albion almost had a, a season ticket at Wembley. Um, you know, I was there to uh, to see them win the cup uh, against Everton, but also to uh, to lose League Cup finals against um, QPR and uh, Manchester City. Um, mm. Also, I also saw the um, the League Cup win against um, West Ham, who had got the the three World Cup winners in their side. Uh, oh. That was back uh, in '66, I think, just before they went on to. Uh, uh, to represent England and win the World Cup. So uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been an Albion fan through thick and thin. Um, mm. And previous, you know, uh, recent years has been more thin, unfortunately. But um, well, yeah, it, it seems like you've seen you've seen all the deviations of Albion. Whereas I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. a boing boing baby. So when I started yeah, watching right. it, I was during the turbulent years, and that's all I've ever known. Um, yeah. But obviously, you've yeah. watched it through, as you say, through '66, seen some of the best players in the world. You know, play amongst. Um, you know, sort of the, the blue and white stripes. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've just been seeing the turbulent championship to Premier League era. <laughs> yeah, I, I also went um, through um, that spell, that miserable spell, um, when every Albion manager appeared to be called Ron. Uh, Ron yeah. Wiley, Ron Saunders, Ron Atkinson, Ronnie mm-hmm. Allen. 
Um, they were the glory days. <laughs> uh, well, some, some of them were glory, <laughs> but some were miserable. Um, so yeah, it, it's been um, yeah, it's never. It's always a turbulent time being a West Brom fan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's 100%. to say the very least. I think it's the uh, I think it's the one word that we could associate with the Albion the most. <laughs> it's turbulence. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, to answer that, the aims and to talk about that a bit further. You know, we've got we've got a lot of members. Um, Yes, there'll be different motivations for why they purchase shares, but I think there'll be similarities amongst a lot of people. I mean, I don't mind talking about mine. I've, I've spent, um, I went halves with my dad. I used some of my student loan um, to buy a share, just so I think we could buy poor Pesky Salida at the time. Never want any money back. Um, never mm-hmm. cashed the, the one and only dividend we got paid. You know, it's Albion money and what have you. Um, but you know there will be some people who've got a few more shares who've put it in as actually as investments, and you know why yeah. aren't they entitled to have the money back? I mean, again, I'll be, I'll be happy to be frank for mine. I'd, bottom of the pile is for me is does my share get sold and do I get some money back? But I'm pretty sure I prefer to get some money for it than let peace steal the money off me or or somewhere <laughs> else. That that that's where I come from. Um, you know, I mean, that Dave, what what was your motivation for buying a share? Um. I felt that uh, I wanted to belong, um, you know, belonging with the club, and I think I think that's probably part of the shareholders. Mm. Yeah. Uh, m- many of them have got single shares. I mean, with uh, with ten or more shares, um, but the, the vast majority of the, um, shall we say, the non-lie group, of well, that- most of the, most of them. Um, you know, the, the, their motivation for buying a share is pretty similar to mine. They just wanted to be part of the club. Well, that feeds very nicely into my second question, which was just who are the S4A members? And from what you guys have just discussed there and touched on there, it seems fairly obvious that, um, you know, they're West Brom fans. Obviously, they all have their own personal motivations, as, as normal people do. But the consensus seems to be yeah. um, that they're people that just love the club or want to invest in the club. Similar motivations to to you, David, and to you, Lee. Yeah, I think I think many um, many of the small shareholders invested in the club at a time when um, the club was desperate for money. Uh, Going back several years now, there were things like premium shares where um, you could buy a share for I think it was a thousand pounds at the time, and you got a ten-year season ticket. Um, and a lot of a lot of um, small shareholders mm. bought shares to support the club in really um, tough financial times. Mm. Um, you know that you uh, that there's a perception out there. Um, you know, with certain uh, fanzines or websites where they say that um, shareholders are um, money grabbing. They're they're in it for. Uh, financial gain mm. i don't think that's true at all no. you know the majority of small shareholders it's an emotional investment it's not a financial one mm. um there are there are absolutely zero perks for being a, a shareholder you get um you don't get any uh, additional discounts on merchandising season tickets really uh, not even a little bit <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely zero wow. and um it may surprise you, but uh, we, if we hold uh, meetings at the football club, we have to pay for a, a room hire uh, <laughs> in, in a building that we part own. 
<laughs> seems uh, a little bit ridiculous, doesn't it? Uh, that's a fact of life, I'm afraid. Yeah, you'd, you'd expect at least a you know a five percent discount on the new kit or something for your grandkids or your children or something like that. Some little perks to, uh, as you say, you know, sort of buying shares back in the day when we were pretty desperate for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. a thousand I mean, pound that, for that, a ten-year season ticket as well is pretty good, yeah. but but still. <laughs> uh, that, well, that was going back many many years when season tickets were a lot cheaper, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, there was this. Um, a comment by the previous um, CEO, Mark Jenkins. Mm. And um, when um, when we decided that we wanted to call action to uh, uh, basically call the general meeting, uh, he spoke about withdrawing our benefits. And uh, we said, well, could you kindly explain what they are? Because um, <laughs> we don't, we don't get them. Wow. Well, not much of a power move then. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for those that are listed that might not understand the structure of the ownership and especially those younger listers that uh, might might not even have a clue that you exist or who actually owns the Albion, I think it'd be quite interesting if you could explain the ownership structure of uh, of West Brom for us and what that yeah, entails. Sure. Okay. Uh, the, the history uh, is a little bit complicated, but this is what we have now. Um, as you know, the football club is called West Bromwich Albion Football Club Limited. So we'll call that the club. The, the football club is wholly owned by West Bromwich Albion Group Limited. Um, so group. The, the, sh- um, the shares that anyone owns are shares in group. Now, the, um, the majority shareholder or sh- controlling shareholders are owned by West Bromwich Albion Holdings Limited. So we'll call those holdings. The company was set up by Jeremy Peace to buy and hold his shares in uh, in group. So holdings uh, were sold to our current owners, uh, Mr. Lyon, his associates, by Jeremy Peace. The, um, if you look at holdings, they own 87.8% of WBA group. And the remaining 12.2% is owned by um, minority shareholders, of which there are more than 400. Mm. Um, As as we've said previously, most have a single share, but there are some that have multiple shares. Um, Just to give you some some, uh, context on on that, there's 8,448 shares in holdings, out of a, a total of 9,620 in group. So the mm. minority shareholding um, have 1,172 shares mm-hmm. uh, out of the out of the 9,620. Yeah, okay. So, so that, that, so that is the current structure, yeah. So the way, so to, to just simplify that, 88% of the club is owned by Jacob Lai through this company called West Bromwich Albion Holdings. It was created yeah. by the former owner, Jeremy Pease, that a lot of the fans know. And, yeah. you know, some fans might have a bit of notoriety attached to that name, depending on your position. Um, and then obviously the subsequent amounts um, of shares, roughly 12%, mostly single shareholders, independent shareholders, some of which, um, you know, are part of uh, S4A um, That's correct, as well. Yeah, yeah the, okay. ma- the, the majority of the 12.2% are um, uh, members of S4A. Uh, mm-hmm. Not all of them, but we can come on to that a, a little bit later. And as as um, 
West Bromwich Albion Holdings, owned by uh, Sharkham Lai, uh, has 88%. They have the, the controlling share of the club. So they they have autonomy. They make the decisions in terms of the vision of the club and the running of the club day to day. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, cause, cause a magic mark, which I, I dare say we'll touch on later, is a uh, is 75%. Yeah, effect, that was the magic you know, number. Effectively, legally, once you've got seventy-five percent, you know you can more or less do what you like to, to, to a mm. point. Okay, so moving on from that, guys, um, could you tell us a little bit more about the Premier League's investigation into the ownership of Albion? You touched on it a little bit before, but what's the current position around that? Yeah, I'll I'll, t- I'll take that one, there, Dom. Um, yeah, well, the current position is that we still haven't got a resolution for that from the Premier League. Um, just looking at the calendar, as of next week, it's going to be four months since we referred that to the Premier League. Um, we're chasing for updates on a regular basis, but we're, we're being told that they haven't concluded their investigations. Now, mm-hmm. Nazuke, our CEO, who, who, without being over-familiar, prefers us to call him Ken, so for, for ease, and because he prefers to be called Ken, we'll call him Ken going forward. Yeah. Um, he, he understands why we had to do this and why we need to see it through. Mm. Um, you know, our position has been, look, you know, this may well be a, a perfectly reasonable explanation behind this. And, you know, there's no story here. But, you know, what I think I and other members have got our eye on is we just want to make sure for the benefit of supporters and shareholders, shareholders that there isn't a problem here. Because, mm. you know, there is a level of concern if we did go down and if there was a sale imminently, you know, I'm not casting aspersions on our current owners, but you've only got to look down the road at Blues and to see what kind of thing can happen. And there's many examples in in, in British football where there have been problems going down. And um, um, and Lee, just quickly, what what were those aspersions? I mean, so we heard a couple of little bits and pieces from Albion fans in in local newspapers and things like that. But for the fans that haven't heard, what are the the kind of things that you're trying to call into question or bring bring some light on? Yeah, oh, no, no, at this stage, we're not we're not suggesting that there are uh, that there are any particular problems per se. Mm. We, because I think, you know, I can't give you full clarity here because we're we're looking for clarity ourselves. But of course, yeah, it was, it, it was common knowledge. Well, it was it was out there published when we were acquired. Effectively, holding is owned by three companies. Mm. Now, it's very it's a very very complex corporate structure. You get co- complex corporate structures in in this country, but you know, I think what we're going to be looking at above on the Chinese side is going to be even more complex. And I think we need clarity on what's happening above that. So, you know, who does own and control the Albion? Now, if, if I wouldn't recommend it, but if you look at the Premier League rules on this, it's, you know, very, very complex to follow. But you can follow it with a lot of reading and reading your definitions. But within that, there's sufficient flexibility to be able to say mm. somebody or some bodies control and or own the football club. And the question is, do they satisfy that test or not? Has there been a change since they acquired it? Uh, I mean, we, we made the point to the Premier League recently, you know, there's a level of concern it's taking this long. And why is it taking this long when you effectively wave through the ownership uh, question when Peace acquired the club? Now, mm. what, what what is happening? Is there an issue that needs investigating and why are they taking so long now? I didn't say this myself, but it has been said to me, well, maybe the Premier League is pushing this along so that, you know, we get relegated from the Premier League or we get sold in the interim. Now, that mm. might sound like a cynical view, but it, it does make you wonder when it's four months down the line. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it could be a case of that. You know, it's, it's a cynical view to take and hopefully it isn't that, but it's, it's a very human view to take, isn't it? You know, to try and push it aside and hope that it's going to be someone else's problem, whether that be, you know, over casting a shadow because of the club being taken over by a different consumer or another owner, or it's going to be another league's problem, in, the, in this case, the football league's problem, potentially. Um, but it could just be, as you, you touched on there, it, it could be just the fact that this is a, such a corporate beast and there's so much bureaucracy that goes along with it. And like you say, it's a very complicated issue that it's just that it could take months and months and months um, in order to, to get to a conclusion. I don't know. I think that's um, yeah, alarming in itself, isn't it? Because mm. you're waiting four months for the report on the ownership, uh, but it's taken that long. It's, it's alarming either way as to why the Premier League isn't acting fast enough, if that is the case, or why it's took four months to actually investigate our owners. I think it's mm. like a bit of a, a double-edged sword. Like it's it's bad on both fronts if if either is true. I mean, Ken has assured us that there's not an issue per se, I mean, and we and we and we have you know we take him at his word on that, but he, he understands that we've got to follow this through. Um, yeah, you know, and and you know we are dealing with a different jurisdiction, different laws, different ways of doing things in China and what have you. But that was the case when we were acquired, so it's not like it's a new thing or or any, anything like that. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. We just keep the pressure onto the Premier League, and once we know, we'll, we'll report back. I think. That's... I think. Um, I think the disappointment. Uh, the disappointment for me is that um, Lee is sort of prodding the Premier League every two or three weeks, and we keep getting the same answer. You know, so uh, it's very frustrating. Hmm. And it's it's like you say. You know, you have such a collective ownership, and obviously because you guys. Um, have such affinity for the club as well. You, you almost feel like you're um, you have to take these guys to task a little more. And obviously, all we want is is clarity, you know. And what you guys want is clarity. That's not too much to That's ask. The I don't think. Thing, isn't yeah. it? I think yeah. me and Dom have spoke a lot on the podcast about ownership and you know whatever opinions we might have or what anyone else might have. But <clears throat> it feels like there's a significant lack of clarity around the club now. Um, and that's scientific compared to previous ownership because even then it felt a little more see-through and we knew a bit more going on. But now it just feels like there's a, a wall up that it's just opaque. We can't see what's going on. We don't really know what's going on in the club that we love so much. And I think a big part of it is just looking for clarity on the whole situation, for not, for not just us fans, but on a more per- personal point, you guys as shareholders yourselves wanting that clarity about what's going on at the club. Well, you know, as a fan, you always come from a point of ignorance on these topics anyway, because I don't know anything about, you know, complex uh, corporate structures within football. You know, I, I, you go about your normal day, you do your nine to five, you pay your bills, you do all the other stuff that you've got to do in life. And then you try and understand the the complexities that are going on at a financial level at a football club that you follow. It's very, very difficult. Um, but you still want that element of clarity. And obviously, some of the reports saying, you know, um, there being other companies involved. You mentioned on three separate companies being involved within holdings and then um, things that are going on in the training ground and, um, you know, different names being brought into um, brought into disrepute in sense that, uh, you know, there could be other people involved in the, within the ownership of the club, all these different types of things, whether they're true or not. Um, it, it aids in this opaqueness when it comes to um, the understanding of the club from the way that it's being run. Uh, yeah, uh, from, especially from a fan point of view. Absolutely, Dom. I mean, I'll probably hand over to Dave to, to tell you a little bit more, but I think 
I think it's fair to say that we were rather frustrated earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, Kenny's engaging with us now and, and he has, he did apologise for not engaging with us sooner. But, I mean, without speaking for Dave, I think I'd say we probably perhaps have a bit of a different feeling towards Ken than we do to the owner, shall we say, given mm. recent dialogue. I mean, how would you summarise that, Dave, on behalf of yeah. the story? Yeah, I mean, if you look at, um, if you look at the current, shall we say, controlling shareholders they're anonymous um i think most of um, the average supporter would uh, struggle to even recall the name of the chairman um yeah let let a you know okay we know uh, mr everybody knows mr lai he's the one that's the the most high profile in in the media uh but who knows the name of the chairman um mm. you know there appears to be um, only ever negative publicity that's um, that's connected with with these two guys. Um, you know, we we could suggest that there's a shall we say a, a lack of leadership and direction from the two most important investors in the club. Yeah, and I think you that's know, what comes down to. I think, like, I mean, me and Max have had discussions about this in the, uh, from a fan perspective in the past, and. It's not that um, these these the ownership or anything has been done anything particularly um, bad. I want to use a different word, but do you know what I mean? Compared to other yeah. owners in the past that have I, been I done, agree. they've yeah. not done anything that we can point the finger and go, "Oh well, they didn't do this, they didn't do that." Yeah. It's not. It's it's more like um, lethargy. It's more um, like, as you say, not sort of a, a very direct direction that we're going in, or or, or a plan that yeah. a fan can see. Or at the very least, some, they might very well have a plan, but it's not being communicated um, to the fan base or or to maybe even you guys as, as shareholders as well. Lack of vision, yeah. the lack of communication yeah. and the insight. Like uh, a lot of my friends are, sadly, a lot of my friends are Wolves fans and they've, they've told me about their ownership and how their owners have come out and said, look, we haven't got you know, the, the season we wanted, but we know that's because of COVID injuries, things like that, but we're still backing our manager and we're still, you know, we're going to put a line through this season and move on to the next. And that feels completely alien to, to our yeah. fans because I'd, I'd love to have that. I'd, I'd love to be able to say our owners come out and say, this is the vision for this season or yeah, midway through say, look, it hasn't got to plan, but we're planning this. We don't get that. Well, that, that yeah, well, think, fifth question as well. I, which I was, I was going to say, Max. You know, um, if if you if you look at Fosun, uh, they've invested significant um, significant amounts of money in in the playing squad at the Wolves. Um, but it does seem a bit of a puzzle to us why you know you look at the controlling shareholders. They spent so much money in acquiring. Um, 87.8% of, of um, West Bromwich Albion. Um, you know, there doesn't appear to have been any positive, coherent business strategy for the football club other than, you know, it, um, it has to be self-financing. You know, it, mm. it, it staggers me that, you know, they, they've reportedly paid uh, Mr. Peace between 175 uh, and 200 million pounds and yet they're not prepared to uh, invest uh, in the club to maintain and, and may, maybe enhance the asset and, and protect its value. It, it's just astonishing. We speak it's about it. this a lot, don't we, Dom? We speak about yeah. how it baffles us that 
that there isn't the investment to increase the value of the club. That if they ever wanted to sell, <clears throat> they'd make maybe three or four times what they what they bought it for. You know, you look at Roman Abramovich at uh, at Chelsea um, or, or Man City owners. Obviously, their their money is ridiculous, but you know they invest in the club uh, knowing full well what mm. they were building. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, there's, not, there's not, countless examples, you know. Well, what I'd say, and I think the, Dom's point was a good point about them not having done anything bad. And I, whilst I'm no apologist for the Chinese owners, I just, there's a, I try and rationalise it. And I just keep thinking to myself, there's an element of naivety here. You know, was, were they pushed by the Chinese government to go out and invest and then the strategy there changed? Did they not really know what they were getting into? Peace sold at the top of a mountain and then some. And it just, you know, I don't feel sorry for them because they're rich people. But, you know, I don't yeah. think they've come to to, to do us, uh, so to speak. But yeah, that's the only way I can explain it. Well, I don't know whether you saw in the news um, uh, today, Lee, the, um, the champions of China, they folded. They were champions. Yeah, I saw that as well. Months. Yeah, I yeah, saw that. Just four months ago. And I think... Maybe it's the Chinese government that have just lost interest in promoting football. I think their intention was to try to take the World Cup to China and they were trying to buy their way uh, to do that. But it seems to me as if they, uh, they've taken a U-turn here. I read, well, I read There's that. a lot of motivations by that, isn't there? I mean, we said before about when it's just a lie administration and it was the fact that uh, I said before, it could just be the fact that they um, just had short-term vision. They looked at the club, they looked at the money that it was making in the Premier League under uh, Jeremy Pierce at the time and just said, uh, we're just going to follow this model. We're going to follow a very similar model, a very pragmatic model where we don't invest so much money or we'll, we'll go after sort of free transfers or have a low transfer budget and a small wage budget and move forward and try and take money that way. But, I think it's like you said as well, David, that there is something that's overarching here and it could be the influence of the Chinese government potentially. Well, I read when um, there were some reports about the Albion coming out and I read that uh, as part of that, that the potentially the strategy, as someone had mentioned, of the Chinese government had changed. Their big project for uh, Chinese football uh, wasn't going to plan and there was a big shift in... Uh, cabinet ministers uh, and they believe that there was no point in pumping all that money back into into football to just abandon it and that there was mm. pressure on uh, Chinese owners to sell up and to return to China return their investments to China um, whether that well if that is true then of course that affects us but mm. it depends on obviously uh, much more than just football because we're talking geopolitics at that point but yeah well yeah which is even more complicated than just uh just little old us in west bromwich but it's it's the kind of thing where obviously the chinese government has so much influence over the economy and over business over there compared to our own government so it's almost like a completely different corporate world over there so it's kind of second guessing their motivations isn't it from our own uh, our own standpoint i mean and then then if you take if you take that issue as one issue and then you take the issue in terms of what they inherited as a club and and say the potential level of naivety you've got two perfect storms coming together you know mm. dan ashworth wasn't at the albion anymore okay yeah. the, the side was coming to the end of its lifespan yeah it had money in the bank and it all, all looked good on paper but these people don't know about football and you know yeah whether or not people love or don't love peace he was bloody good at certain things so mm. <laughs> you know when you when you put those two issues together it's no surprise we are where we are 
Well, so, yeah, it's, it's true. So, what's what's your current view of the owner at the Albion at the moment? What's uh, you personally, guys, but also Esferi's view of the Albion's current owner? Well, I think as I think as Dave said, I mean, you know, they're anonymous, and there's no, there doesn't appear to be a. Well, there hasn't appeared to be a positive and coherent business strategy, but there seems to be a strategy now, which is to sell the club. So, and this isn't a criticism, but if I was looking to sell the club now, the biggest priority for me would be to retain Premier League status because that will go to the heart of the value of the club. Mm. So, so you know that that is all I'd be interested in if I was live because you're not looking to hang around, but you've got to keep one eye on what happens if we do get out and we can't sell. Now, I mean, I think this. Again, I'll, I'll let Dave, because Dave's a chair of S4, I'm the, I'm the vice chair. I'll let Dave talk about um, about Ken, um, because we've we've met regularly with him, haven't we, Dave? And uh, albeit yeah. not per- in person because of COVID, but we've had some very constructive meetings. So, I mean, what, what would you, how would you summarise S4A's view of um, Ken, Dave? Um, of Ken, I think um, he's far more approachable than the um, than the previous CEO. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean it. It's um, you know we, we we held we now hold regular meetings with Ken. The discussions are open, um, mm. um, so it's good. It's good that he's approachable and he does engage with us. Um, you know this is in complete stark contrast to Mark Jenkins, who just refused to have anything to do with us. Um, Why do you think that was, David? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's a very good question. Um, Possibly because uh, uh, the, his, uh, his previous chairman, Mr. Peace, refused to engage with us. Um, you know, the, um, for example, holding uh, annual general meetings in London on a Monday at 9am made it very difficult for the majority of the shareholders to get down there and attend. Um, mm. That was just one of the many things, you know, we... We um, we asked for regular meetings. He just refused, just point blank refused. And I think, um, yeah, I think you have to remember that um, Mark Jenkins was uh, Jeremy Peace's right hand man and would follow uh, whatever directives he was given by by Jeremy. And do you think that's that comes down to I don't know maybe bravado or something like that because they know that they have the control and share of the company and they can kind of think to themselves, will we? We have impunity here. We can do whatever we like. Um, yeah, yeah, to a degree, yes. Yeah. To a degree, yeah. I think, um, I mean, Jeremy just treated us with total contempt. He just didn't want to engage with us at all. Yeah. And, and, what and, were you going to say, Lisa? I was going to, well, on the point Dave just made, I mean, you know, given how we've explained the minority shareholders and, and, and all our members and, you know, that you've got mostly proper Albion. There are one or two non-Albion people, I dare say, but you've got proper Albion people in there. Which other business would treat its its shareholders, mm-hmm. but more importantly, some of its most loyal stakeholders like that? Exactly. You know? and, and and shareholders own 12% of the company. And as you say, are, are, you know, are proper fans that have come in very much like you guys did and paid their money when the club was on its knees or, or needed the help financially. And uh, as you say, to be treated with, as David said, contempt is... Bit difficult to take, isn't a, a it? Because you're nothing expect... without their fans, yeah. is it? A club's nothing a, without fans. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you want I mean, that's a bit of a microcosm of... for the team to have, mm. well, for the club to be to have such a contempt for the to the people who are 
sort of, um, they might not ha- have the same stake in the club, but they're still shareholders uh, and also they're fans. So there's a dis- the disrespect to the shareholders and the disrespect to the fans, which I think a lot of people will feel. Uh, the fact we don't know anything, the fact that there's no investment going in, you know, the mm-hmm. feelings of betrayal are very easily done. They are. Now, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I'm somebody who's always looking forward. You know, I'm always optimistic in everything I try and do in my life. But I think it is important to kind of talk about what's happened in the past to understand why we are where we are and, and to learn mm-hmm. from it. Um, I mean, we've touched upon, Dave's mentioned about, in terms of Jeremy Peace, um, why we weren't a fan, so to speak. I mean, it's difficult to know where to start with that. But I think that takes us into the area of kind of decreasing transparency and accountability. So, so Dave mentioned the AGM. So what, what you'd have, so the AGM for, for using that uh, acronym, so annual general meeting, any company has a, a general meeting once a year where all shareholders can attend, accounts are approved, things are discussed, people raise questions, what have you. Now, I think in 2014 it was, Jeremy Peace moved that down to London, 9am start in London uh, at his solicitor's offices. So I think he used to get approximately 50 to 100 people turning up. That went down to four or five or six minority shareholders who could who could spend the time and or afford to go down. Um, mm-hmm. that, that happened, I think, for 2014 and 2015. In the latter, uh, Peace then voted to pass resolutions to abolish AGMs and they've never taken place since. Mark Jenkins refused to reintroduce them. Um, we're talking to Ken about the reintroduction of them. And so we'll see what happens there if there's no sale. Um, mm. So there were no GMs. We could never get basic answers to, to, to basic accounts questions. And I think more importantly, you know, we weren't even provided with consolidated accounts, which what does that mean? That means proper accounts in the later years during Peace's tenure. Now, just to put that into perspective, um, so, you know, I'll probably mention the loan in a minute. Uh, I dare say that will crop in conversation, but that loan was made in September 2014. The first time we discovered the existence of that loan was when Consolidated Accounts for the previous year were released in February 2017. Mm. That's just after Peace and Jenkins had resigned in late 2016. And the only way the loan was uncovered is, is I won't mention his name just in case he doesn't want me to, but the, the brilliance and perseverance of one of our members, because, you know, I'm, I'm used to looking at company accounts. Our company accounts were something, were something else. And we didn't <laughs> see them for, for a few years. Well, um, let's, let's, touch on, let's touch on that loan just briefly. I've got, I've got some questions here that I want to ask you, but let's, let's move on yeah. to the loan. It's very, very interesting. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's come up in um, sort of the, the West Bromwich Albion zeitgeist re- recently, because obviously most fans don't know, you know sort of the, the ins and outs of this situation. So it'd be great if you could give us a bit of context on it. And, I mean, I read somewhere that there was the interest of that loan uh, that came with it, with Jeremy Pierce, is in excess of, sort of a million pounds now or something like that. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's correct. correct. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I'm happy to talk about that. Just one thing I do have to say before I before I st- start, that there are certain bits I can't discuss just because we're asking for an investigation. And we've always maintained that there could be legitimate explanations for a lot of the questions we've got. Um, mm. But we haven't received those after several years. But if, if there is any wrongdoing which is found, then it may be a case that we need to take legal action in that regard. So there's certain bits I can't go into, but I will try and be as 
Well, could you explain just to to start off with? Could you explain um, just a bit of the context of the situation? Because a lot of fans out there won't even know of the uh, of it even taking place. No, no, no problem at all. I'll, I'll run you through all the bits that, that I can. Um, I've got a pretty good memory for stuff like this. Um, so, I mean, where do we start? The loan was for three point seven million, and as we've just said, it was for the the interest has recently hit a million and it's rising. Okay, so none of that loan, capital or interest, has ever been repaid by holdings at any time. So that's just to remind that's Jeremy Peace's company, who he set up yeah. and then sold to the Chinese. Yeah, th- this uh, was a loan, by the way, that um, holdings uh, took from the football club at preferential interest rates. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, just for clarity. Yes, yeah, so that, that's, that, that's a good point. Yes, so it's from club to holdings, so the club being the football club. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But in terms of interest rates, um, if you were to if you were trying to buy a house and you couldn't quite get the mortgage you needed and you needed a bit of bridging finance, what kind of percentage do you think you'd have to pay on that? Well, it would be cool. you, you go and try it be about twenty or thirty percent, depending who you mm. go to. Um, I don't think we're getting twenty. Uh, it's an unsecured loan, and at that point, Peace didn't own seventy five percent. He wasn't the controller. He wasn't in control of the club. And it, we right, were not okay. getting anything like that. So, so that that's a good point uh, Dave's made there to, to, to give mm. you that initial clarity. Um, yeah, so it, it's we've got a very already a very long list of questions which we were going to be asking at the general meeting, which had to be deferred due to COVID and which we'll push for to take place when it's safe to do so. Mm-hmm. And when I say a, a long list, I mean a long list of questions which are all pertinent questions which relate to you know, the actions or perceived actions of various directors involved in the corporate structure at the Albion at that time regarding the, the mm-hmm. issue of the loan and the failure to have the loan repaid. When well, do we know paid. why the loan was taken out in the first place? Or is that one of the first questions on your list? <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite, absolutely. That, that is one of the, you know, we want to know things like, why was it, why was it taken out? Who authorised it? When was it first known about? Because I think, You've just pu- pushed on something there, which I think is really key to this. You've got to cast your minds back to the summer of 2014. Mm. That was the, Bra- the Brazil World Cup. I was just yeah. about to go on a well-earned holiday, and they, they announced that um, Irvin had taken over, and my wife still moans about the fact it sport the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but we got Alan Irvin, who had admitted to people he was finished in management, appointed. You got, yeah. you got a summer of very poor, some would say cheap signings. You know, Alan mm. is a nice bloke, but you say that's a cheap appointment. You yeah. Know, horrible non-Albion shirt, which made my blood boil, speaking personally. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you got it in the press week after week. Funds are scarce. We haven't got the money to buy players. Mm. They're going to have to make, make the amend. So, the trans- so at that point, so at that point, Peace has got 67% of the shares. He hasn't got the 75%. So a few days after the transfer window closes, the loan is made from club to holdings. Okay. So, and then we all know what happened next. You know, mm. he appointed Irving. He didn't have to sell his soul and make a very on Jeremy, Jeremy Peace-like appointment in, in Tony Poulis, mm. who for all the criticisms of him, did the job he was asked to do and probably got a, a year or two more out of the squad. Um, you know, mm. that's, that's my personal view. Um, but you've got things like that. You've, to get to the 75%, which happened in the, in, in the, the months preceding that, and it's very nuanced and complex, and I can't go into some of this stuff at the moment, but you'd had peace offering to buy, to buy shareholders 
share, minority shareholders' shares for £3,000 each. Now, when there have been previous rounds, other directors of the club had issued a statement in the pack saying, do not accept this offer, it does not reflect market value. Well, there was nothing from Mark Jenkins then. £3,000 was never market value of the Albion at that time. So I've asked that question. I've actually asked that question in, um, in, in correspondence to Mark Jenkins. Now, you know, you fast forward to August 2016. Now, if, if it was 200 million, then, you know, if you do the calculations, that's roughly, Peace got roughly 23 to 24,000 shares. Per share. Mm. Sorry, sorry, yesterday, sorry. <laughs> it's been mm. a long day with work as well. Yeah, yeah 23,000, 24,000 pounds per share. Mm. And you could actually argue to get over that threshold, they should have been paying ransom value for anything. So yeah. there's a lot of people who sold who feel very sore about it. I was going to say, you don't need to you be know. a mathematician to know that 24,000 is a lot more than 3,000, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then we don't even find out about the loan until they've gone and what have you. So the length, the length that it took to find the loan is staggering to me. Um, and it's... It's quite sick in it, actually, that it took that long. It feels like a bit of a, whether it is or not, I'm not making accusations, but it feels like a cover-up, like deception. And I'd, I'd hate to feel how you guys feel about it as shareholders yourself. Well, I think being careful with language, one could legitimately c- conclude that there appears to be a certain pattern of behaviour that requires investigation. You know, not only for just good corporate mm. governance, but on, on any level. You know, because that's what you do. And then if there has been some wrongdoing, then, you know, who knows? It could be legal action available to the football club, which who knows? So, you know, I can't say any more than that, because if we have an investigation, it uncovers various bits. Well, fine. That's great. What's there to hide? Let's have the investigation. Um, well, it just it just comes down to clarity again, and it's it's like you say. I'm I'm glad you touched on the the context of the situation as well, going all the way back to the the days of Alan Irvine and Jeremy Pierce coming out, as you say, and saying that there was no money at the club, and yet we're talking now in 2021 about a 3.7 million pound loan that was taken out at that time, and that was the rhetoric of the club at the time that we were penny pinching. There wasn't a lot. We made the acquisition of you know Irvine, who, as you say, was a, a sort of a a cheap signing in a sense. Um, and we weren't making many acquisitions. Yeah, because I mean, the important thing to say, Dom, is is no matter what has or hasn't happened, I think that one of the, the main thrust questions is, well, if that loan wasn't needed to facilitate the acquisition of minor, minority shareholders' shares, well, why was a loan taken? And further, mm-hmm. why wasn't it paid back immediately? So that would be one yeah. of my questions, which I want to get to the bottom at, but the bottom, the bottom of, um, mm. you know, but you, you got things as well. <laughs> you got Mark Jenkins in his second tenure who, you know, after being fair, what have you, it did a fantastic job in his second tenure. And I have to say without him there, I'm not sure we'd have come back up. So I want to give mm. credit to, to, to both where it's due, but you know, he continued to instruct Jeremy Peace's lawyers on matters relating mm. to the club. Now, that might not matter depending on what it is, but I think it does matter when it relates to the general meeting we called to investigate a loan, to have the loan repaid. So th- that culminated in, in us um, convincing their lawyers that they had to stand down because it was a clear conflict of interests, which there was, and Mark Jenkins was instructing them. I mean, and then we had a situation where, you know, one of our shareholders was asking basic accounts questions in the absence of an AGM. And it was being referred to Peace's lawyers to answer. Mm. So Peace's lawyers, not even legal questions. So this well, kind of stuff, you couldn't make it up. It's, you know, it, you, you start to think, well, what is going on here? 
Well, when you start adding all these factors in, the factors we've touched on in this podcast, the fact that, like you said, your general meetings are cut, they're stopping the general meetings, so they're stopping a dialogue with you as minority shareholders. um, The chairman, along with Jeremy Pierce, aren't answering your calls or or ignoring you. And then you find out that there's a loan that you weren't notified about of £3.7 million for reasons you don't really know that only really came to light because the club was taken over years after the fact. Once you put all those things together, it does seem a bit suspect, doesn't it? And you can kind of see why that you, well, you need to go down this avenue in order to get the answers that you that you deserved, really. Yeah, no, I, 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 thank you. I think that's right. Go on, yeah. one day, sorry. Sorry, the, the one thing I'd like I, I would like to add here is that um, whilst it was um, Holdings uh, that that took out the loan during Jeremy Peace's tenure. That loan is now, uh, it's still with Holdings, but of course it's owed by Mr. Lyon Associates to the football yeah. club. And, um, you know, the the, um, the interest is, uh, w- with the loan plus interest, is soon going to be £5 million. You mm-hmm. know, w- for a football club that has no money, this could have been absolutely critical for us uh, in, in, in the recent transfer window. But I think, um, I mean, there's a number of options open to Holdings. Um, they could declare a dividend. You know, they could pay that. The, they could pay the money back, um, or they could pay a dividend. Um, but if they paid a dividend, it works out broadly about five hundred pounds a share. Now, right. my my argument, and I think the argument of many of the um, the minority shareholders is. We're not interested in our in, in five hundred pounds as a dividend. We'd rather that go to the football club. Absolutely, mm. yeah, uh, yeah. Which, I mean, which says a lot about the people that are holding the shares. Yeah, I take it you you'd agree with that, Lee. Y- yes, I, I would personally. I mean, we might have some members who don't, and they're entitled not to, but I, I'd I'd agree with that. Um, you know, so, so because and just to, just to make that clear, so that means that if they wanted to pay, just say the loan was at five five million pounds including interest they'd have to pay the dividend at that level plus our 12 percent, so that they could use their 88 percent i.e five million to pay it back mm. so, so, so that's taking even further money out of the club um what have you uh, or they could just pay it back now i mean i think it's fair to say dave um you know we've discussed this we can we, we, yeah we'd, we'd <laughs> like it to be paid back yesterday but you know, being realistic, if you're selling the club now, it's not going to get paid back at the moment. But we've made it clear that if the, the sale doesn't go through imminently, then we're going to be pursuing this further. Well, can we can we touch on that? Because yeah, the Daily Mail reported up, yeah. um, that we're looking for a new owner and there's been a preferred bidder. And um, I mean, is that true? Uh, have you been given notice on that? What's the uh, what's the story on that at the moment? D- Dom, Do you want to answer make, that, Lee? Yeah, I'll answer that. Yeah. Um, can I just make one point before we move on? Because it's very important. Um, we've, mm-hmm. we've mentioned this 75% thing several times, and we've mentioned the word wholly, wholly owned subsidiary. Now, look, you know, there's lots of lots of good people out there on lots of message boards. I've been there myself. And, you know, sometimes there can be some negativity and clever comments. I think there's there's a bit of a lack of understanding about some of the legal nuance behind this because because people yeah. didn't have 75% at the time alone. And the football club has never been, uh, sorry, it's group has never been a wholly owned subsidiary mm-hmm. of, of holdings. Now, when you get to 75%, some of the dynamics change, but I think the key thing here is with things like the loan, 
he didn't have 75% then. And it's all about what happened to get him to 75%. And that's the thing which some people don't seem to appreciate. And, and so if, what it he's, if it wasn't for that, it, there wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as big an issue, should we say. So what you're saying is because he didn't achieve the, the magic number of having full autonomy of, of 75%, this loan was taken out beforehand, there are even more questions to be raised because you would have had to have, well, potentially notified the other shareholders because he didn't have the, uh, the control and stake. Yeah, there's a there's probably where I need to kind of put 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 the door. And there's there's plenty. There's a lot of nuance there, and there's a lot a lot of facts behind that which I can't really start dipping into. It's it's mm, it's course. all about what happened when and when were decisions taken and what have you. And you know, are there explanations? So I need to be clear and, and say that because you know, yeah, again, we, we we do accept there could be explanations, but let's have the investigation and let's. But yeah, of course. I mean, but there is a point of contention that needs to be answered. You know, uh, but, uh, you know. Absolutely. So sorry to take take us back there, but I, I, just a, a really important point. Just to, to give. No, sure, it is an important point, and it was it was one I've forgotten. But as you say, it's very very important because there there is a time scale here, and it's and it's an important one to take note of. Um, but I, so, I can't remember what was oh, my question. Oh, yes, the ownership. So to, yeah, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the potential Daily takeover. Yeah, yeah, the Daily Mail's reports of a preferential bidder. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, it is well as, as as I've touched upon already. It's definitely true that they're that they're trying to sell the club. I think that's kind of well documented, and we, we did actually discuss that particular article with with Ken. Um, you know, and I'm not going to report what he said because you know that 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 element was a private conversation. But let's just say I think there was a meeting in mind that they, you have to take all press things with a pinch of salt. And mm -hmm. when I when I read that. Um, you know, I thought you always think, what's the motivation? Who's leaked this? What's all this yeah. about? And and you know, Dave and I have chewed the fat on this, and you know, we think it's one of one of the potential interesting parties trying to hurry things along. You know, probably uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, but you know, so so we understand that they're still currently having preliminary talks with potential buyers, uh, but no terms of a final deal have been agreed in principle yet. But. Mm. You know, I, th I think the view amongst shareholders, and I suspect most supporters out there, it doesn't, it's not rocket sciences. Who's going to agree the final figure on a deal until you know which division you're playing in? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, it's it's such a massive decision as well. Um, it makes such a huge impact in terms of, you know, sort of payments and and, and everything else. So yeah. that would be massively dependent on what you're valuing the club at. You know, if we drop to the championship, you'd expect us to be, be valued a lot less i don't know how that comes out in sort of how the parachute payments work and things like that but um do, do you see us being obviously it's dependent on which league we're in but um there was a lot of reports when we were sold that we were kind of overvalued uh, at the time can you see us being sold for for less than jacqueline lai acquired the club for the 88 percent well significantly yeah. less I would say. yeah yeah I, I think so. i mean i think the first point to make on Yes, they paid over the odds, I'd say, as a supporter. And, you know, and I think we'd all say that. But there was a lot of money in the bank at the time as well. You know, mm. rumoured to be between 40 and 45 million, whether that's correct, I don't know. So you almost take that off because that's money they're acquiring now. Okay, that was mm. spent in short order, but that's a different different story. Um, you know, there's people, there's reports saying that Chinese business people don't like to sell less because they lose face. But I think the reality is you've got these Chinese government pressures to kind of pull out of investment and you've got an asset which is dwindling. So you, you think whatever happens, there's going to be a pinch point, isn't there? Now we can mm. all put figures on it, but if we get relegated, what's the Albion worth? Again, just personal views, 70, 80 million quid. 
Mm. Okay, we're going to be well placed next year to come back, but but that that, that so th- they're clearly going to be looking for more than that now. But if it looks mm. like we're going down, does that mean a deal happens somewhere in between? I don't know. But they're looking for structure, aren't they? They're looking for mm. well, for what? Obviously, massive grain of salt with all these articles, but reports of them trying to structure a deal based on uh, if we stay up, pay X amount; if we go down, pay X amount all that sort of stuff to sort of preemptively uh, get ahead of a potential relegation and the valuation of the club. So they're probably trying to get more out of them at the moment while they can say, well, we might go down, but we might not instead of going, well, we're definitely in the championship. So that's going to knock off another, I hate to think how many more millions off the club, but Mm. you know, that sort of, um, sort of thinking. Yeah, I think I think that I think that's a sensible position. I mean, I don't I don't know what you think, Dave, but given we're on this, you know, at the start of March now, even if they thrash out a deal by the time they've gone through due diligence yeah. and things like that and signed, it's going to be known whichever way it goes yeah. anyway. So, yeah, I um I think um Mister Mister and his associates have, have a bit of a dilemma here because you know if you consider what um, they paid for for holdings. You know, it, the press is saying 175 to 200 million. That's not cash that's going to be floating around. He's, he's, and I think we've already um, touched on the fact that there are three companies that are involved in holdings, one of which is a, a venture funding company. So it's clear that it's clear to me, um, Mr. Lai would have had to borrow some of the money to buy holdings um mm. venture funding by its definition uh is um is usually high risk investment so he, he's probably paying a high rate of interest his yeah. dilemma is when you know when he's not going to recover anything like his 175 million pounds um but when do you cut and run yeah well you know, that's that, it isn't it yeah that's it, it it's a i mean this is a key decision um that's going to affect the future of the football club. You know, we, we um, Lee and I talked about the the recent um, acquisition of Burnley, um, mm. and 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 if you look at the structure of that, it doesn't look good for Burnley fans in the long term. Do you want to touch well, on that, Lee? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's it's dumbing it down a bit. It's it's a bit like a mini mini Glazier takeover of. Um, Mm. Of Man United with heavy borrowing, and also that's not quite as what what it says in the team because were they Dave were they quoting something like 170 million, but they've got yeah. a stack of, they've got a stack of cash in the, in bank. the bank. So yeah. so if you say that's 130, okay. Now I'd argue with whoever that I'll be in a significantly bigger club than Burnley. We've probably got better infrastructure, but they are more established in the Premier League and mm. they're, they're almost safe. And we can chew the fat on this again, but they've probably got more saleable assets on the pitch as well. Uh, mm. You know, if Tarkovsky's worth 30 million, you know, who we got, well, grand, um, people like Dean Garner, I think, will come good in the future. There's Pereira, there's Johnson, he's down to the last year of his contract. And then our other good players are loan players. So, you know, you'd have to say Burnley are worth more than the Albion at the moment, although mm. it pains me to say that. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you say, they've got those assets on the pitch they can sell. Yeah. And the thing is, is that when you have a, a, a corporate takeover like this, you know, and, and someone's going to come in and be the dominant shareholder of a football club, it can go up one of two ways, can't it? I mean, this acquisition, I'd, I'd like to fair say that it's a fair comment that it's not gone the way that we expected. You know, when we first came in, 
and uh, John Williams was chairman, came in and made some incredibly grandiose statements uh, in the programs at the time uh, when I took over and said, yes. this is going to be a new era at the Albion. I think he's, you know, paraphrasing that. The new era, we're going to be signing players you've never before heard of and every, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be massive. And as a fan, you come out of that and go, wow, you see what's happened at Man City, you see what's happened at Chelsea. See, you know, if you've been a little bit naive, let's say, um, you know, it could be that, it could be going that way. You know, I wasn't looking at it in that way with rose-tinted spectacles, but I thought, oh, well, maybe it's going to be a rung higher than we, we currently are. Um, and obviously what's happened is happened, you know, for want of a better, of a better phrase. But with Burnley, like you say, it's a bit of a Glazer-type situation. They've borrowed against the club. And we don't really want to see that with us because it doesn't benefit us. Obviously, it benefits the owner that comes in. Um, but, yes. you know, yeah. for a club of our size and a club in our position, I mean, what are the motivations for a buyer coming in? Is it going to be the similar motivations to, to Mr. Lyre, you know, sort of short-term fixes to try and grab a bit of money, which obviously hasn't worked out for him? Um, or, you know, are these people going to come in with vision and we invest need. in the same way that Bozen have? Biggest one is vision. I think. Look at the fo- the Fosun vision is incredible. Um, forgive me for getting it wrong, but Radrazani at Leeds, I think, or Leeds owner, has, has had great vision after they had such a tumultuous time as well. So we just want that, don't we? We want vision. We, we want yeah. uh, people who actually see past quote unquote self sustaining club, which I hate that term because absolutely self sustainability in itself needs a bit of investment to actually get to a point where you can self sustain. Mm. Um, so things like that really frustrate me. We need someone who's going to come in and see uh, beyond that and actually invest mm. in the club, grow the club's worth, you know, actual physical uh, representation, that, you know, improvement in players, results, infrastructure, you know, maybe even the stadium gets a bit bigger. Halfers Lane's always been a bit small compared to everything else. You know, things that... Especially when you're six or five, mate, and you've been yeah, cramped in the like seats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so we're, we're big we're boys. Fans, we're fans thinking of this, thinking, oh, well, the Halfers Lane's always been a bit small. You know, Craven Cottage are currently reno- uh, Fulham, sorry, are currently renovating Craven Cottage. I heard that their uh, their owner bought a portion of the Thames in order to do it, in order to create a big waterfront. You know, that, that's Incredible. vision for you. That's buying land. That's buying, you know, river. You know, it's something that we're, you know, we're never going to get under these owners. So we want someone that's going to come in and actually do something, see past Wait, all this well, rubbish. Well, well, Max, I mean, vision is the word. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna say one or two things, which, you know, these are my personal views. I think it touches upon what we're discussing. And there's a bit more about peace here. It is all about vision, isn't it? Now, you know, West Bromwich Albion Football Club, you can look at any criteria in terms of success in history. And, you know, we're, we're about 12th. Some would say 10th, some would say 15th. But in terms of potential for club, big club, we've got, OK, we've got better away support than home support, what have you. We're a big football club. You mentioned Fulham. They're going to have a bigger capacity than us. Now, I'm not getting hung up on capacities, but we've got, I think we've got something like the 31st or 32nd biggest capacity. That's, mm. that, that's pathetic. Now, you know, let's start with the positives now. And I'm just because of the context of this conversation, I'm probably not going to list them all, but there are many, many positives about how Peace ran the club. Um, mm. He deserves respect and praise for that. He yeah. was outperforming plenty of owners and football clubs who do and don't do that and didn't do that. He's a genius at extracting value from players, mm. you know, and particularly those on the way down. And, and he had the wisdom to to back Dan Ashworth, who was who was who was fant- absolutely fantastic. But you know, leaving that aside, right. And then taking into account that Paul Thompson came in when we were 
in a lot of trouble. £30,000 a week being lost. He turned it around in quick time. He, he, he sorted the East Stand out with some controlled borrowing. He bought the training ground. He was the one who pushed for different player recruitment and director of football. Peace sided against him with, with, with Megson to get rid of him. Right then, sure. Peace realised that was a good idea. But if you've been really critical, we're not the mid-table championship club that Peace said we are. He said that to suit his own own aims. What did he mm. leave us with? Right, where's where's where, where's 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 the stadium? Nothing's been done in his tenure at all. What what has he left us with? It frustrates me so much because you know you look at teams. Um, obviously, they bottled it last year and look like they might bottle it again this year. But Leicester, what gives Leicester any more right than us? to be pushing for these top four spaces. Now, I'm not saying a new owner will push us straight to top four. I'm not deluded. Of course, it'll take years <laughs> to actually get to a point like that. But Leicester are a similar club to us, good fans, good away support, um, fairly good history, uh, but have had a tumultuous sort of modern history, if you want to say that. They had owners come in. Um, obviously, tragedy hit them, and that's terrible. Yeah. But a really well-run club with passion for the team, for the club, and the fans, you know, actually showed love for them. Um, yeah, I think, I think Max, the, the key is smart recruitment. You, you look yeah. at Leicester, they've bought, they've bought some quality players. You look with envy, you don't know. you, at Leicester? Yeah, Trevor, course, my yeah. word. If yeah. you look at West Bromwich Albion, you, uh, some of our, you know, I have to say, in, uh, in Peace's tenure, um, yeah, he made some mistakes, but he was no shrinking violet. You know, if he felt things were not going right, um, he didn't hesitate to take firm action. I you know, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking, uh, you know, he, he he dismissed Steve Clark after an appalling performance at Cardiff. Rob, uh, Roberto Di Matteo, they, they went. Um, but recruitment generally, yeah, he made some mistakes, but boy, we picked up some gems. You gems, know, huge gems, big point. When I think of Yusuf Malumbu at £250,000, mm. what a player. Um, yeah. But now I look at, you know, I've no disrespects to the guy, but, you know, Oliver Burke, we spent uh, allegedly £13 million. We are not a club that can spend £13 million on a player and he uh, to see him fail. And it's the same with Kenneth Zahor, you know, £8 million quid, um, allegedly, and he's nowhere near our team. Yeah, and we're just not a club that can spend that sort of money and make mistakes. We yeah. used to research people, players' characters. That started, you know, around the Megson Thompson. It was about character. We're not buying players who've got the right character. You can see True. it in the mental fragility last year. I mean, we nearly bottled it last year, and you can see the mental fragility this year. We're not buying the right characters. Carlos, we did obviously when Dan Ashworth was there. You, you touched on it before. Uh, the acquisitions Dan Ashworth made were so good that he went and had such an incredible job open up at England with Roy Hodgson being England manager as well. Um, that's what the FA thought of him. They they realised his potential and what he could offer to the national game. Um, but you know the acquisitions he brought in, and it was thrifty. There were thrifty acquisitions that made a huge impact. And when Jeremy Pierce left, and yeah, there were people that have a go, like you say before, but. You know, it was pragmatic football. It was pragmatic running. That's what it seemed like from a football fan. Sometimes it was difficult to watch as a football fan because you could see the level of success we had from being in the Premier League for so long um, and having such a stint there and there not being the acquisitions that you would kind of expect that other clubs around us were making. Um, I'm thinking like Stoke City, all those kinds of clubs as well that were signing 
huge all-star named players. And there will be somewhere between, you know, around us and the table as well. But, you know, Pierce did that, Ashworth did that. And when he sold, we were somewhat an established club. And I mean, Tony Pulis was, you know, like him or loathe him, got the best out of the group of players. And you could see that, that when we sacked him, um, that same group of players didn't perform in the same way when they were playing Tony Pulis's stylistic uh, approach of football, um, whether that be his man management or the way that he sets up teams on the pitch. But it's like you say, you know, um, it's about getting the most out of those players and it's about the crop of players that you have there. And there's been a definite shift in the way that we've, you know, sort of scouted and acquired players financially. Um, like you said, so, or, I mean, Ollie Burke is, is, is the paramount of that, really, um, compared to, as you said, Yusuf Malumbu for £250,000. You see the disparity between those two and you can kind of see where we've ended up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, just just to be clear, what what I'm saying with some of the well criticism or constructive criticism of peace, I don't, you know, but by our nature, Albion, I'll actually say Albion supporters aren't ambitious enough sometimes, and it's good that we're humble, but you know, we don't want to be like, but like those two lots down the road, but there's somewhere in the middle <laughs> of it we could be, but you've just got to look at it, and we. I wasn't calling for us to be reckless with signing players we couldn't afford. But, you know, when you bear in mind, we end up with 45 million in the bank by the time peace left and for, you know, for balance sheet purposes and what have you. All we're asking for was a little bit of refreshment of the squad, you know, so that it was proactively managed before it came to the end of the line and a little bit of kind of investment in, 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 in the, in the ground. And I'll say it again, you know, you can have, you can have um, structured borrowing there and, they used to say to us, well, you're not filling the ground. Well, for me, I'm not having that. You've got plastic football clubs all over the place, who, you know, who are growing the support. You'd have your big matches and your away supports, which would put three or 4,000 on the average mm. anyway. And then you grow your support for the future. And, yeah. and, 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 and like Thompson always said, if you're not investing on a year-by-year basis, you're going to go backwards. Mm. And you know, on this point, we touched upon it earlier. This football club was a very successful football club, but unfortunately, there's a guy called Tom Silk died around 1980. His brother was John Silk, he wasn't the same level. And then we went from the nearly winning the league twice, been in Europe, being tipped by the, the all the pundits to win the FA Cup, to being in, to being on a 16 year journey into the abyss. And it can quick, if, if you stop investing in your football club, it will quickly go downhill. And, a, uh, we need to it's a delicate balance, isn't it? Yeah. It's a delicate, delicate balance for investment, and then you know, sort of, uh, you know, making a, making some money out of the football clubs. Because I wouldn't begrudge, say, if Joe Kimlai was invested in this club and looking at the long term vision of the club, and he was making a bit of money down the road. Of course, that's his prerogative as a as an investor to this football club. Of course, he should make some money. You know, if that's his intention to do with the football club, but you know, don't do it at the detriment of every other facet of the club, you know, Absolutely. including yourself, because now he's in a position where he's more than likely going to sell the club for a lot less than he acquired it for. Well, that's, it's a win-win. And we come back to the start of the interview, you know, and it's, you know, who are the Albion shareholders? Well, even if there's quite a few who aren't Albion and they're, and they're in it to make money, and there might be a few, we'll fair play to them. But it's all part of the same pot, isn't it? Because surely, mm. if the Albions run well... There'll be a good football club and the shares will be worth more. So they're not mutually Definitely. exclusive. So if Lyle does well, and that's the thing with peace, you know, I, I, I kind of, some would say it's a bit cynical, but, you know, a lot of the time, what he wanted coincided with what was good for the football club, but not always. 
Mm. And, you know, I'd also say it's supposed to be proper Albion. Well, he was never seen before and he's never been seen since. If you're proper <laughs> Albion or we've got an element of proper Albion in you, do you end up with minus 175, 200 million on, mm. on, on your CV at the end? No, you don't. You let a few million go around the edges at least. <laughs> yeah, you know, to, to leave the club in a good state, you don't pay yourself double. You, you had a decent exec salary all the way through, which was double just before he left when he was living abroad. You know, mm-hmm. it's these kind of things, and you know that's what the man was, and he, he didn't leave that legacy as far as I'm concerned. He left us knowing full well what would happen afterwards, and he didn't sell to the right buyer as he promised he would do. Mm. It's, it's important to know, and I mean. Considering we're talking about, we've talked about the past, we've talked about the present, uh, let's touch a little bit on the future. I mean, what would you like to see change at Albion for the future? Say if we, we are taking over, what would be the first key things to happen um, to help move us forward into the future? Well, I think, you know, from my perspective, um, if we're to establish ourselves and compete in the Premier League, we, we simply have to have an owner who's prepared to invest in the club, you know, rather than see it as self-financing, you know, for the reasons I think Lee, Lee has already given, you know, if you don't invest in your, in, in the squad, there's only one way you're going to go and that's, that's down. So mm-hmm. we need, we need um, dynamic leadership really at the very top of the organisation. And what about you, Lee? Yeah, well, I'd echo what Dave said. And I think it's also, it's about, yeah, transparency is important. Okay, look, if, if, if they, we don't know if they're going to buy the minority shares or not, whoever buys us, whichever way, we'll look after members and carry on fighting for them. But, you know, if, if, we, are, if we have still got that standing against shareholders, we can, we, can, we, can, we can have that dialogue from that perspective. But I think it's more than that. Forget the shareholders for a moment. The supporters deserve the dialogue. You know, they, they deserve... Transparent communication. Now, take it to the other, other extreme. Okay, we met, mentioned Paul Thompson before. That guy met with anybody. He met, went to all the supporters' clubs and what have you. Now, that's that's unusual. No one's expecting that. Mm. But, you know, when you've got somebody who engages with you, and for all of his shortcomings, like when Slav came back last year, you know, I think we all felt, well, we've got somebody who who gets the football club. You know, we we, we just want people to get the football club to get the DNA of it. And to think, how can we actually grow this football club? And yet, yeah, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean build a new stand straight away. Fine, there's bigger things than that. Get people back. Get people who, who, who were going year in, year out, home and away, who've, who've actually stopped going. I know. Can I, can I just, um, just say this? That, um, you know, if you look at our um, current controlling shareholders, most of the media uh, publicity surrounding them is negative. You know, it, it would be wonderful to have someone that uh, at the helm who could, uh, you know, put, put the club in a positive light rather than, you know, negative uh, media attention all of the time. Yeah, what do you think, true. Lee? You know, what do you think about that, Lee? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very hard to disagree with that. Um, you know, I, I think there was an element of spin in years gone by. Um, and we had a few faux pas then as well. You just want it to be a genuine, happy place where everyone's buzzing. And look, you know, the Albion, you know, you got the chairman back in the 60s when Dave was going to Wembley. What was it, Jim Gaunt yeah. saying, oh, I'm fed up with going to Wembley. We want to win the league. So they sacked Alan Ashman. <laughs> 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 yeah. you, you know, it's all relative. But, you know, when I was a kid in the 80s, in the good part of the 80s, win one, lose one, draw one, mid-table, that'll do. 
the Albion will take anything. If you, as long as there's effort there and we're trying to do it and we're trying to do all we can and there's that little hope of achieving something, the fans mm. will buy into it. What the fans won't have is where, okay, pull the team out of the FA Cup, get to a League Cup quarterfinal and play a reserve team openly say we don't want to progress in competitions and then you start thinking what's the point you get loads of supporters I have to say particularly some of the older ones who've seen the glory days like some of us haven't saying oh I'm mm. bored with the Premier League oh, I'm happier in the Championship well I, I kind of understand that because I enjoy going away more in the Championship but if you're not trying what's the point and they all been belong in the top division so when you start trying to achieve that, so we need to start to try to yeah. achieve that. How do you achieve that? And it's the things we've all been talking about. We, well, I Getting mean, player recruitment, right? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. You know, build it back up. At the start of the podcast, I said, well, well, near the start, I said, well, what we want is we want fight from these players. If we go down, we want to go down with some fight in us. That's all we want from our ownership as well. It's top to bottom. We want our owners to have the same, to have some vision and actually share that vision with us as fans. We want them to actually value us and know our role. And the bit you told us about you saying, like, why haven't we built uh, a new stand or where's the infrastructure investment? And you being told that, oh, you don't fill it enough. Well, actually put some products on the pitch that are going to be filled, not just against the big clubs or rival teams. Or, you know, when we do play Burnley at home and it's a quid for a ticket, which is, I think, has always been a good um, uh, value sort of promotion. You know, we don't just want to go see our uh, other players. I mean, I'd go to every game, but we want people to go and see the players who play in the Albion colours as well. Not just they're going to see some, you know, Kevin De Bruyne when he comes around when Man City players once a year. You know, mm. I want people to actually turn up to the Albion, uh, and what? And I don't. I'm not standing here going saying, "Oh, you, you fake fans for not coming when we're playing Burnley at home," because that could be a very drab game. But people would be far more inclined to come if we had a bit more talent on the pitch and a bit more of a a, a vision on there and in the boardroom. Yeah, and it's back to vision again. You know, you could some naysayers say, "Oh, well." The Albion support's limited. Well, hang on. Like I've mentioned before, plastic football clubs. You can quote them all over the place. Brighton and Hove, Brighton and Hove Albion. Handful of seas in the top flight. The fake Albion. Yeah, yeah the fake Albion. <laughs> average 4,000. It's like, okay, you yeah. know, come on. You know, Lee, Lee, we took 44,000 to uh, a Wembley final against Port Vale. Absolutely. So, you know, the potential is there. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just you need these you need these incentives, as you say, just to get people out. And even now, 2021 is going to be massive after the coronavirus. Once people start coming back to the stadiums, it's a perfect time. Absolutely. I want to be having there. these initiatives to get people back. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And championship or not, we want to be winning games. We want to be playing some good football. I mean, I'm not adverse to keeping Salon Dice on next year if we stay up or go down. I doubt it'll stay if we go down. But there needs to be the back in there for him to actually build on this this thing he's built, however late in the mm. season, but there's there's some bones there, there's some structure there for us to be able to hold on to because that's what we missed the last time is some structure. Yeah. We sacked Pulis when he should I, have left. I agree. Um, I agree with you, Max. I mean, love him or hate him, uh, he's made us more organised and more competitive, and you know we are getting results at the moment. It's yeah, took him a while, but he's we're... definitely done it. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it was reported, wasn't it, um, when he. When he uh, joined, as to whether he's got a break clause, we'll have to see at the end of the year. But yeah. if we did go down, but I think Dave and I have chewed the fat on <laughs> my phrase for the interview. Chewed the fat. You, you know, it's difficult to have a long-term strategy on the playing side whilst, well, until a sale's gone through, because it's like mm-hmm. we're treading water, and then we're also changing our, 
you know, okay, we've got a team that would fight to stay up. Then we wanted a younger team that could play expansive football. We didn't have enough characters. And we're having to chop and change. And, and until mm. we get that new owner in, and hopefully it's an owner who's, who knows what they're doing and has got some vision, you kind of feel like we are just going to be treading water. So with that in mind, I, I pragmatically think, well, you know, Sam Allardyce, safe pair of hands. Now, I know that will annoy quite a few people. I'm not a big lover of Sam Allardyce, but you just wonder who else might be appointed if he goes. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I and, it, and it comes down to, like, who are the new owners who can come in as well, along with that? Because, I mean, when I'm just thinking back to when Jeremy Pierce sold the club, and he, he, sold, he tried to sell the club before he actually ended up selling it to Sharkville, and he felt that nothing happened. He put it up for sale. And he, one of his stipulations for a potential buyer was that he said in an interview that he'd taken the club the furthest it could go. He couldn't take it any further. He needed another uh, overseas investor, a foreign investor, to come in and pump more money into the club to take it to that next level. Now, that's not happened under Jacques Lai. We know that. Um, but are these investors that are going to come in going to have the similar, you know, sort of vision, a short-term vision as Jacques Lai? You know, are they going to... What I'm trying to say is, is that uh, the administration, the current Jacques Lai administration, they're not going to, you know, have uh, this potentially have this uh, conundrum. They're not going to be going. Oh, that's well, my fear. This new, that's the biggest fear. These new guys to... coming in going to have, yeah. you know, the best intentions for the club at heart. They're just going to go. How much can you pay? When can you get it to us? You know, A, B, C, and D, and that's it. Yeah. Really, yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely, that's my yeah. fear. I think yeah, that's... you see that with, with Blues. Blues have had horrible ownership for a long time now. And, you know, AC Milan were bought by a Chinese investor and then he, they found out he had no money. And I think they were taken over by a vulture capitalist fund as well after that happened. So it's mm. a slippery slope, you know, if he sells to someone who doesn't care. Uh, and we could end up in much more dire straits than we are now, which is my fear. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a fair. We've discussed that, Dave. Sure it's, that. it's not anything we can influence, unfortunately. But, I, you know, personally, I, I would go with, with, with what you just, what you two just said there. Yeah, of course, in the situation that our current owners are in, they're just going to take the best deal to extricate well, themselves from the situation. Well, like I say, when their intentions are purely monetary, you know, if someone comes in and they've got, they come and go, yeah, we've got perfect vision for the club. We're going to do this in five years, 10 years, whatever. And they offer 10 million pounds less than the guy next to them that doesn't care. They're going to go with the, you know, the the second guy, aren't they? You know, if that's their intention, um, and that's and that's a difficult thing. It feels like it's a bit of a, a roll of the dice, almost. And you know, it's it's something that they don't need to worry about, but we're going to have to worry about because it's going to have huge ramifications for the next, Absolutely. you know, five, ten years or or even longer. Absolutely, I think that's the point. You know, we we are going to be around long after Guo Lai and his associates have gone because we are mm. true true fans. Yeah, that's Absolutely. the thing. And, and that's our concern. Yeah. Before we wrap up, guys, uh, is there anything you'd want to, uh, anything else you'd want to say to our listeners? Um, I mean, from my perspective, I'd just say that, you know, um, despite the negative um, comments we get on some um, social media outlets, uh, I'd like to think that we have demonstrated this evening that we are. You know, the, the vast majority of um, minority shareholders at the Albion are Albion through and through. Um, and if you don't mind, I, I mean, I would like to to finish with a little plug for S4A. And that is that, you know, we, we do um, represent the majority of the minority, but there are some shareholders 
out there that are not currently um, members of S4A, um, we would like, you know, we'd urge you to join uh, so that we can, you know, we can keep you updated, we can keep you involved in, in developments that are going forward. Um, and together, you know, we can all be stronger. Albion will be stronger for it as well. So, you know, please, if, there, if you are out there, contact, um, you can contact us by email on info at s4a.org or uh, uh, perhaps just leave a phone number and give you a call and tell you what we're about. Okay, brilliant. And now, right. anything Thanks for that, guys. Really? I think uh, all, all I'd say is, you know, we all just need to hang on in there. We've come back from worse than this. You know, we're a great football club and um, I'd just probably leave it with, come on, you baggies. Yeah, exactly. that's the one. It's always a good sentiment to leave it on, isn't it? <laughs> it's an incredible one. But yeah. We thank you guys for uh, joining us today and actually uh, uh, giving us some information on everything around the club and mm. some stories of uh, years past. I think everyone's very interested to know about those. So we thank you again for joining us. Yeah, uh, thanks. It's been a th thank you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. Much. Yes, pleasure. Thank you. And of course, I thank Dom as always. He's always here with me. Like you said at the start, a piece of old furniture I can't get rid of. <laughs> I'll be here no matter who owns the club, mate. Absolutely, and I think that's the case for all of us. So we keep fighting. We'll move on to Newcastle. Obviously, check out the cooldown and cooldown Excel once that, uh, well, post game, and of course after every game. And as always, guys, come on, you baggies. <laughs>